Red. You usually come in after the third or the fourth quarter. So fourth, generally. I like to keep it consistent at least. There's Jim Rome over here. Yeah. With the same level of talent, so. Not. Just kidding. Oh, did you hear what Logan said? Because they're just as good as Jim Rome. You don't have any clones. You're an idiot. That's true. Uh, this is Sportsnet Today. Welcome to hour two of the program from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Logan Gordon, Pat Steinberg along with you. Hi, Patrick. Hi, buddy. How, uh, how's this Monday going for you, pal? Um, it's going all right. Uh, yeah, it's good. We are good. frothing at the mouth with NHL news. Nope. Nope. We're really not. Uh, not much to tell you there. Really, Jonathan Bernier retired today. That does anything for you. Texter didn't like that I referred to him as former Leafs goalie. Jonathan Bernier. He is a former Leafs goalie. But that, that that happened today. Yeah, it is. Um, it is really quiet out there, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's going to change anytime between now and the start of the train the of training camp and the regular season. I, I just. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like a uh, an atmosphere or a market that is is super brimming with a lot of news right now. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how things do pick up, but. I'm not necessarily convinced they're going to. I, I do think, I do think there's going to be plenty of names out there as the regular season gets going, and and plenty of things to watch as the regular season gets going. But how often do we see moves in late August and early September? Like this is not, this is not typically the time where you see a lot of movement. So I'm not anticipating a ton. Although it'd be great if that were to be uh, to be wrong. Uh, just have an exciting weekend. Lots going on. Shot Charity Classic wrapped up. We were there on Saturday. Had a great time out of the golf course. Thank you to, uh, again, to Chris Dornan, Colleen, everybody that helped set us up for the weekend. We had a fantastic time out there on Saturday. The weather was perfect. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. We got to chat with a couple of really cool guests on Saturday, including uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, Stuart Skinner, Oilers goaltender, uh, really just had a great time out there on Saturday. It sounds like they had a fantastic finish to the event on Sunday. So thank you to them for having us out. Looking forward to being a part of it next year as well. Uh, Jays took two or three from the Reds, Pat. Uh, that was a much needed victory on Sunday with the offense exploding with a couple home runs. That was good. Uh, we had CFL week 11 action finish up last night. The Riders hold on by the skin of their teeth against the BC Lions who, Tried to come back and uh, would have done the Stamps a good favor, uh, beating the Rough Riders, but they're unable to uh, to get it done. 34-29. Your final for the Riders, who moved to 5-5 five and five on the season and uh, just finished up on Hour 1. We had uh, PK Peter Klein on to uh, chat about UFC 292. Uh, O'Malley taking down Aljamain uh, Sterling. That was a fun event, actually. It was uh, for, for a card, a main card that had no finishes, until the main event, it was actually pretty. Uh, it was actually a pretty entertaining card. Like the the fights, the co-main event was I thought really uh, was exciting. Shang Wei Li is unbelievable, absolute beast of an athlete, Holy. and uh, showed it once again. Like that was as dominant a performance 
And usually, like a dominant performance like that doesn't uh, isn't exciting, but it was just all action, even though it was one sided action. Yeah, it was a really good card. And then obviously, uh, Sugar the Sugar with, Show, uh, uh, the Sugar Show. That guy, that guy has got a lot of swag, and that's exactly what the sport needs right now. You know, you need more guys like Adesanya. You need more guys like Sugar. You like you the 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 UFC since. You know, Connor and, and the UFC haven't been um, necessarily in lockstep. Not a ton of characters out there right now. And so to have a new, like, and, and, and O'Malley is one of the characters and one of the guys that draws eyeballs. And now to have him as a champion in a premier division is, uh, is pretty big, actually. So as much as I, I was cheering against him and, and would have loved to see Aldermain win and, and defend his title because I really like him. Uh, and enjoy watching him fight. And I think he's just a class act all around. Um, I, I think having O'Malley as your champion is good for the sport and good for uh, good for the product. Do you have any problem with the stoppage? Um, I, I mean, it, could could you, as as Joe said, um, like yeah, you want to do you, do you want to see the champ get a little bit more time to defend himself and live to fight another day? Yeah, I leaned that way, but I didn't think it was an egregious stoppage. It was it was pretty furious pressure and and nonstop shots that he was landing. So I didn't think it was a poor stoppage. I would have I would have let it go another few seconds, but that's so hard to that's so hard to do in when when your chief job as a referee is to protect the fighters. So uh, I I didn't have a problem with the stoppage myself. I I'm leaned a little bit more to I could have seen it go a little longer, but not much. And and it was just a really really good even before that. That was a really good first round from from O'Malley as well. So uh, I I didn't think it was egregious. That's for sure. No, and I said this to PK, and I I don't. This isn't meant to be a shot at Joe Rogan or anything because I get. In that situation, you just you say naturally what you're feeling. But I, I said to PK, I said, if Rogan doesn't bring it up on the broadcast, I'm not sure how many people actually. No, I mean the, the, when when I, I was, I didn't have a problem with I, it. He I, was getting hammered. I don't know if I had a problem with it, but definitely the guys I was watching with were like, "Oh, is that an early stoppage?" Like that was the first thing uh, a couple of guys said, and then you look at it, you're like, "I don't know if it's early, but I, you know, I think it was. I think it was kind of on the borderline." Um, but again, there were there were a number of shots rained. Like as soon as he caught him with that counter punch, he started raining those hammer fists down. So it was it was not a bad stoppage. I, I definitely think it's a deserving victory and and not a fraud win by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, why don't we chat some CFL Pat? We'll get into the stamps conversation uh, next segment. Patty Dumas is going to join us. He was at the game uh, for Legacy Night. Stampeders fall nineteen eighteen to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Friday. We talked a bit about that. On Saturday, as part of our special edition of Sportsnet today at uh, at the Shaw Charity Classic, mm-hmm. where the CFL as a week uh, comes to an end. Last night, I mentioned the Riders uh, get a win against the BC Lions, thirty four twenty nine. It's a massive win for Saskatchewan. Uh, they had a big lead late. Vernon Adams Jr. tried everything he could, limping around the field uh, to get BC back into it. They score sixteen points, excuse me, in quarter number four to make this one a five-point victory for Sask. Uh, but the Riders pick up a huge win. Jake Dolagala shows out pretty well. 19, excuse me, 18 of 29, 239 yards for three touchdowns and no interceptions. That's a good BC defense that the Riders were able to figure out for a good portion 
of that contest. Now, as the game went on, BC picked it up. Vernon Adams throws for 455 yards in the vic- in the loss. But uh, good on the Riders. They needed a, a win. They get a little bit more separation from Calgary that was the and Edmonton. Thing. They had and, an opportunity to, yeah. to put themselves in a much better spot in that third seed in the West Division. Well, Elks won, Stamps lost. Uh, that was a big win for Sass. They needed that. And they, they did it against a really good team um, and, and came out hot. And I like the way that they... I like the way that they were able to um, stay composed, even when Sean White got him close, even when Sean White got him back within real striking distance with about two minutes to go. I like the way the Riders stayed composed and and didn't let that one slip away. I give him credit. I uh, I was not expecting a first half like that for BC, or I guess in this case, as, as strong a first half like that from Saskatchewan. No, I wasn't either, but good on them. They took advantage of it. They... Go out and, and pick up a, a really important win. I, I still don't. I'm sure. I don't know if I feel the same way. I don't necessarily still put them in the, the BC or Winnipeg tier, even though they just beat BC. But it certainly helps put them in a spot that they've got to feel more comfortable knowing how the week went with Ottawa losing, Calgary losing, uh, and just getting some of that Hamilton loss. Right, just getting that two games of separation from everybody there, and really putting themselves in a good spot for that uh, third overall spot in the West right now. So lots of, lots of football still to play, but as we sort of reach the, the halfway point, we're uh, more we, than halfway done now, 21 week season. Yeah, I guess 11 so. Weeks through. It's like, yeah, we're halfway through the year. Uh, you uh, contributed to CFL.ca handed out some mid season awards on your latest. And uh, I thought we might go through some of them and see how I feel, how some of the other, People listening feel about your uh, CFL midseason awards. How do you feel about that? Sure, let's do it. Uh, for most outstanding player, you went with Chad Kelly of the Toronto Argonauts. Why, Patrick? I, I just think he's been the most um, he's been the most dynamic player in the league, and that's with Vernon Adams and Zach Caleros factored into the conversation. Uh, what he's one of two starting quarterbacks not to miss a start this year. Kelly and Jake Mayer, those are the only two I think that have have not missed a start this year across the league. Everybody else has has had all kinds of quarterback issues, and and Kelly did uh, miss the good chunk of the loss to the Stampeders, but. He leads the league in rushing touchdowns. He's done a nice job using his feet and being able to extend plays. He's got a great touchdown to interception ratio. Um, and and he's just he has been what I, I think the most consistent and most consistently dynamic quarterback. And you know, VA probably would be a little further ahead if he hadn't missed those three games. And Caleros has had a really good year. Like it's not a it's not a, a big gap. And this year, it's all quarterbacks. It's Kelly Adams and Caleros, who are your three, at least in, in my mind. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I just really like the way that Kelly has taken the reins. And there is all that conversation about what are the Argos going to do as defending Grey Cup champions with McLeod Bethel-Thompson moving on. And, and, you know, he was such a big part of the Argos winning that Grey Cup. You know, Chad Kelly has one year on a CFL roster and only one start under his belt. But remember when he came in in the Grey Cup against Winnipeg and how he changed that football game, not because Bethel-Thompson was playing poorly, but just because he added a new element to the game that, 
that the Bombers had not game planned for. He changed the entire course of that game, and next thing you know, he's handing off to A.J. Ouellette, and he's pounding it in for his second touchdown of the game, and the Argos didn't look back from there. So I, uh, I, I, just, I really like the way Kelly has taken control of that offense. They're one of the most dynamic offenses in the CFL. And, and Kelly's a big part of that. So it's not a big gap, but I lean slightly his way. I think he's got the number one quarterback efficiency rating in the league, too. Uh, he's just been really, really good. Yeah, I don't have a problem with this one. I, I think if everyone was healthy, Thank I'd you. probably still lean VA. towards Zach Kalaros, actually. Okay. Um, just efficiency-wise, just the way that they can score at will when that offense is is really running. Um, I would probably go Kolaros. And it looks like Zach will be back this week. Yeah, he's been back at practice, so that's Montreal. good uh, for Winnipeg. Uh, I, I can't argue with Chad Kelly, though. I mean, uh, to be honest, he's been the most impressive piece of news out of anywhere. I mean, if Toronto wanted to go back-to-back uh, as Grey Cup champions, I think a lot of people would have assumed it would be with McLeod Bethel-Thompson coming back for another season. Um, like you said, we just had such a small sample size of Chad Kelly, but clearly it was one that Ryan Dinwiddie liked and was willing. Because I mean, look, they didn't go out and bring in a, nope. a a star-studded backup. They weren't in the contender for for Dane Evans to come in and say, "Look, we don't know what Chad's going to give us, so we need to have a backup plan." They were perfectly fine rolling with him, and they should be. And clearly, he's shown he's shown why that ability to to throw the ball and make every throw that you need to in the CFL um, has been impressive, and I, I can see why. Uh, mid-season or just past the mid-season point while you have him there. Yeah, he's it's he's been a really good story. And, uh, you know, he had a really impressive college career, but hadn't started a game in ages. He only started one game last year, uh, kind of a, a garbage time game. And I, I, I didn't know what to expect. You never know what to expect from a first-time CFL starter, but he has uh, checked a lot of boxes so far. And he's got the Argos, I, I think, you know, whether you put BC, Winnipeg, or Toronto number one in your power rankings, the Argos are one of the three elite teams in the CFL, and, and we weren't sure if that was going to be the case, knowing that they had such a huge quarterback turnover one year after winning the Grey Cup. Well, they haven't missed a beat. In fact, I think their offense, and this is no offense to MBT, who I was a big defender of because he had a lot of detractors out there, uh, but I think they're a more dynamic offense with Kelly at the helm than they were with Bethel Thompson. Bethel Thompson was more of a... Uh, he just was a more of a straight-up thrower. He, sure. like, he was attempting 35, 40 passes a game, and you didn't have as many different design plays with him, uh, whereas with Kelly, there's a lot of different options you can have. He's a little bit more mobile. He throws on the run better. Uh, so I, just, I, I like how much more dynamic or explosive the Argos are, that much more with Kelly at quarterback. Uh, we won't get to all of these because I'd like everyone to go to CFL.ca and read your uh, entire article, but... We'll get some of the big ones out it of the way. It is some of my most average work of all time. <laughs> Which is saying a lot. Saying like, a lot, yeah. When I can get uh, average, whew, yeah. you know I'm having an on day. Uh, this guy hasn't been average. You have uh, Matthew Betts as your most outstanding defensive player, edge rusher for the BC Lions, 11 sacks in 10 games uh, for BC. Um this one I thought was probably the toughest one. I'm absolutely. curious if it was for you too. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I wouldn't have had bets there, but he certainly is in the conversation. Um, why did you wind up going with bets over some of the other guys you had? I just like he's been the most uh I there are I think maybe two players in the CFL that I think opposing offenses game plan for 
one of them is Willie Jefferson in Winnipeg, and the other now is Matthew Betts. Uh, like the the way that the way that Betts tracks the football, the way that teams have to you know shift their focus and and double team him. We've known this guy. This guy didn't go to the NFL and and. Uh, have some time in Chicago for nothing. Um, we, we've known this guy is an extremely gifted athlete for quite some time, but last year he got the biggest chance of his CFL career in, in BC, kind of had a breakout year last year, and he just uh, used that as a platform for an absolute superstar-making season this year. He, is, they, he started 10 games on the edge for BC, and he's failed to record a sack in just three games. So it's not like those 11 sacks are uh, on the back of like one or two huge games. He's been extremely consistent. It feels like he is a uh, impact maker or, or disruptive force on every snap he's out there for. So I just, there were a lot of different candidates. Like you've got two or three guys in the secondary. You've got, you know, Gary Peters and Robertson Daniel and Demario Houston, who are all having ridiculous years in the backfield. You know, whether it's Adam Big Hill or Micah Alway or Boseca Lacombo, like there are some uh, incredible, the, the, the Argos, have, Winton McManus is having another outstanding year. Um, and then you've got Mike Rose and Willie Jefferson. But just in terms of the um, thing that jumps off the page most, for me, it was bets in a really, really close race. You could have gone with any of those guys and probably and Demario Houston has seven interceptions. I was just gonna now. say Demario Houston's a guy that's gotta be in there. He's just ran another three one ahead back. of anybody close to him. Uh Micah always in there for me. He's six tackles ahead uh of the next closest guy, and that's Larry Dean in Saskatchewan. He's got a sack, he's got two interceptions, he's got a forced fumble, he's got a couple pass knockdowns. Um, I, I don't even want to think about where the stamps are. And for me, it's filling in for a guy that was so damn good uh, here in Calgary in in Jameer Thurman. I, that was such a worry for me, Pat. And nothing against Micah Alway. But I, I didn't know if he had the stuff to come in and and be that guy in the middle of the of the, the defense for the Stampeders. But he's clearly proven that he can be. He's been a difference maker. He's got a great motor. Um, I, I've been really impressed by him. And I think he's only going to get better as he continues for the Calgary Stampeders. I mean, Willie Jefferson, I mean, I don't even know what you see. He's got 10 pass deflections yep. on the year. That's more than most DBs have. Plus eight sacks. Eight sacks. And you know he's only going to get more as the season goes on. He's still, I find with Willie Jefferson, the only thing now that, that holds him back a tiny bit is his speed. You don't see him cut across the line as much in the run game to to cut down running backs from behind the line. But that happens. <laughs> he's just not quite as as quick as he was when he was, you know, four or five years ago in the league. Uh, but he's still... I'd like, you, I'd like you to say that to his face. I wouldn't. <laughs> the man's terrifying. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, he, he would, he, I would just lay around and watch him walk over me. I would, if there was a puddle in the way to his car, I would lay down and he could walk over my body to get to his car so his shoes don't get wet. Um, the guy's just incredible. And you said it, the fact that he's back to eight sacks, he's got two forced fumbles. I mean... How do you not go into the week and say, look, you got to pay attention to five. The quarterback has to know where five is because if he's not coming at you to take you to the ground, he's interrupting short pass plays, everything you have yeah. mid-range because he's just gigantic. He puts tree trunks up remember, uh, in front of your face. Remember the bow show? I remember one time. I do remember the bow show. Uh, I remember Bo Levi hell yeah. was down. Hell yeah. Uh, I remember he was down at, at the Saddledome when we were doing a show, and he, he was going around the table, and 
Uh, I remember vividly Pinder's like, yeah, I'm going to just sit this one out. The CFL is not my game. I remember. And so, but Bo was going around the table, Kluke and, and um, Mike Klukas, the, the, the goat. Oh. And, and he was just kind of going around and, and asking for different picks. I don't remember what player I chose as most outstanding defensive player at the halfway mark, but he was like, no, that's stupid. It's Willie Jefferson. And I was like, why? He goes, because Willie's the only guy. I don't remember who I chose, but he's like, you know that guy? Yeah, we don't game plan for that guy. There's one guy that we game plan for, and it's Willie Jefferson. And I think Betts has turned himself into the other guy that that teams, like he looks like Merriman in his prime right now. Like the way that he, because he's so tall, he's not always in a three-point stance. He's explosive, like from a standing start. It's just what Betts is doing right now is why everybody looked at him as such a good prospect five or six years ago when Edmonton took him. So he's just, he, he has arrived. And I think he's kind of, if, if, if Willie Jefferson is still the on top of the mountain, best edge rusher in the CFL bets is the heir apparent. Uh, last one we'll get to before we uh, get into a break. You have Dustin crumb of the Ottawa red blacks as your most outstanding rookie. Was this a difficult one, or where did you come down well, on, first on finishing of all, with Dustin Crump? It's hard to, like, you have to do a lot of research on who's eligible for rookies, right? For instance, Austin Mack in, in Montreal is having a ridiculous year, one of the best receivers in the CFL in his first year in the league, but he has an NFL game under his belt, so he's not eligible he's for not. rookie of the year. No, because uh, I would have gone, at least as far as I know, he's not eligible for rookie of the year because he's got, he has suited up in an NFL game. And when, at least what I was looking online, um, they, uh, but no, I, I and, and Sneed's had himself a really good year um, in, in Montreal as well. He's got five touchdowns. Clark Barnes in Calgary has been a really, really impressive part of their, not just offense, but what he's done in the return game for him. But I mean, Dustin Crumb's kind of saved Ottawa's season. I know they've lost four in a row, but three of those losses have been really tight. Uh, he engineered that incredible comeback over Winnipeg in overtime, then was a huge part of the Stamps win uh, in overtime as well. He has, like, he's averaging almost six yards a carry. He's got 429 yards, I think it is, on the ground. He's just been a really dynamic player. And when Jeremiah Mazzoli went down, and they also um, lost Kyrie as well, like Tyree as well, Tyree Adams went down for the year in Ottawa. You thought that maybe that season was completely lost because Nick Arbuckle sure wasn't it. And Crumb stepped in and, and given them life and, and has kind of kept that season on the rails. So, yeah, it was a, it was a difficult one. Um, just in terms of eligibility, it was, uh, it was difficult. But I, I really like what Crumb's done so far. That's interesting because I guess that takes out the two leading receivers in the league, right? Because Hollins would be the same. He wouldn't be eligible either. No, Hollins played last year. Uh, Hollins got, I think, four or five games in with BC last year. Oh, did he? I think. I might be wrong on that, at least based on my... Oh, it says 2022. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so he did get... Uh, yeah, it looks like he did get some games in late August, or October last yeah. year. Okay, so... Yeah, it, I didn't realize that uh, applied for Mac, because Mac would have been my choice, but now that you've um, figured that you put the rookie status... That's a bit of a weird one. I didn't... Uh, yeah, he's played. I think he's, he's played, still just like twenty five, isn't he? I, he played one NFL game a couple of years ago in the uh, in the COVID year. He played, 
uh, either the COVID year or the year after, but he has at least one NFL game under his belt, which I believe makes him not similar to how Nathan Rourke's not a rookie in, in the NFL because he has two seasons in the CFL under his belt. So I don't think he's eligible for rookie of the year in the NFL with Jacksonville. Interesting. That, uh, that was one I did not know about. Uh, there's a couple of uh, Pat Steinberg's mid-season award picks. You can get the full list at CFL.ca. Week 12 of action kicks off on Thursday, where it looks like we'll see the return of Zach Kalaros to the Winnipeg lineup. Not that it mattered. Uh, they just kept winning even while he wasn't in the lineup. They're 8-2. and two. They welcome in the 6-3 and three Montreal Alouettes. Stampeders are in Toronto on Friday to take on the Argos. Saturday, Hamilton at BC. Sunday, it's Ottawa in Edmonton against the Elks. Elks have their first win on the season. Will they get their first home win in a very long time? That uh, some of the storylines look ahead to in Week 12. Week 11 won the Stamps will want to forget, but Week 12 one they absolutely need to be prepared for as they take on the 7-1 and Argos. We'll chat some Stampeders football with Patrick Dumas. That's next. Hour 2, Sportsnet Today rolls on. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Week 11 in the books in the CFL. We look ahead to week 12, which sees your Calgary Stampeders at 3-7, and seven, heading to take on the 7-1 and one Toronto Argonauts. That one loss came at McMahon Stadium a few weeks ago. But the Calgary Stampeders right now have their own problems to worry about. The Toronto Argonauts stand in their way after a disappointing loss on Legacy Night last Friday. 1918 against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's Logan Gordon and Pat Steinberg along with you. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. For our Monday edition of the Stamps Report, we welcome in Patrick Dumas, one of our Stampeders reporters here on the uh, station and the producer of the big show with Russick and Rose. What's up, Patty? How are you? Oh, not a lot, Logo. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Uh, 1918, the final for the Calgary Stampeders. I think if you told me that they had held Winnipeg to 19 points, even with Drew Brown, mm-hmm. Uh, the Stamps would be pretty happy, but the offense lackluster uh, again for Dave Dickinson and crew at McMahon. Yeah, I uh, felt like they were stuck in neutral most of the evening. Uh, every time it felt like anything big was about to happen, they they came away with a field goal or just something happened, like you know a turnover. You know the Jake Mayer pick six was really bad. Uh, that was that's not good. That's like, I believe his third on the year now. Uh, 12th overall on the season, just just not an overall good look, and uh, man, it's tough to figure out what what's next for this group because you're trying to find out any sort of positivity to find out of things. And the last, really, the last three games, you're not you have one offensive touchdown, Tommy Stevens against Toronto, uh, not good enough, and uh, they're searching for answers. And uh, it was that practice today. Uh, Vibe felt good, I guess. Felt all right. Uh, no Kadeem Carey, but nothing to be too concerned about. He's got a little chest cold type thing. Uh, they've been they've been going battling with that all year. Uh, it feels like so uh, nothing to worry about with Kadeem going forward. But uh, you just need to see a little bit more urgency from this offense. Uh, what was the reaction from a lot of the players and coaches that you heard from on Friday after the loss? I mean, the players kind of you know yeah you want to maybe that you want to maybe like i said they, they, it didn't feel like an urgent room I'll, I'll say that it didn't feel like the most urgent group around there um they see they i get it there's still eight games left in the season and 
you know, but you know, that's Saskatchewan win last night. Now you're two back of them for, for third in the West. You're battling now with Ottawa and Hamilton for this, for this crossover possibly. But I felt like the, the reaction from Dave and then the players was kind of different. Like Dave, if you could really sense the disappointment in, in his voice, but he also believes that the vibe is still strong around the team, that they do have the faith that this will turn around. And, uh, you know, you know, Renee misses two field goals there and uh, they win the game. But you obviously don't want to keep settling for field goals all the time because you can't keep relying on the kicker to get your, get you your wins. Right. But uh, it feels like it's got to go. This is like, it, it's a tough opponent this week in Toronto again, but you got one on them earlier this year, a few weeks back, obviously Chad Kelly left the game at halftime, but uh, the defense played them well and you had a good game plan. So we'll see if they can attack it this, this week. But you, you see, I, like I said, I'm preaching for more and more out of this offense and just, Seeing a little bit more out of the team, attitude-wise, maybe. Somebody's got to get angry. Yeah, it looked like they were able to push the ball down the field perhaps a little bit yeah. better, but overall I think it was just 11 completions for Jake Mayer and company. Yeah. That's uh, I know there's been so much talk around Jake. I, I know we don't need to get too far into it, but mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of been you know more of the same conversation that we've had all year with the difficulty for this offense to, to get going for those long, sustained drives. Yeah, it, it falls on the quarterback. Like when your offense is having issues, it's it's the quarterback's job to to figure things out. And uh, uh, another un, like subpar fifty percent completion percentage, which you know he's two weeks removed from, you know, setting the stamps record for highest completion percentage. So it's just finding somewhere in between with this guy. And and uh, I know he's working hard. I know he's trying to put a positive spin on things, but. You know, when the quarterback's not working, and you hear it with the fans, the fans are they're, they're getting they're getting anxious here. They're getting they're getting tired of things here because it, it was so good for so long. We get that, and we know Jake Mayer is is not Bo Levi Mitchell, and and uh, we're we're seeing that right now. But he's still such a young quarterback that is still trying to find his way in the CFL. But he's got enough games under his belt now. I believe it's like it's over ten starts now for sure. Uh, for Jake Mayer in the CFL. And I know it's going to take a little bit more for him to get going, but you, you do want to see more out of him for sure because, they, again, they really don't have a, a backup option right now. It's it's Tommy Stevens, but then how much is he limited in the passing game? I guess you don't really know until you find out, but he's he's really more like a Chris Strebler type. You know, he's going to run the ball. He's using that big body to, to get the ball downfield. So, I'm not ready to to yank the the, the ball away from Jake Mayer because he's getting paid a lot of money uh, to do this job, and I, I don't know if it has something to do with the coaching. If Dave has to maybe take a little bit more of control uh, from the offensive side, it's obviously Mark Mueller is taking over play calling duties this year. Or so I don't know. Maybe a return to Dave in a, in a few weeks is is a possibility to maybe generate some more offense. Because don't look now, man. The team behind them, the Edmonton Elks. Uh, they're coming. I think they're playing a lot what better now. That was yeah, going to Trey Ford was huge. They've got what fourteen hundred plus day home losing streak that they want to end up this week against Hamilton. So or sorry against Ottawa. So who knows, man? By Labor Day, Edmonton's gonna have a chance to tie Calgary. Patrick Dumont's along with us, Sefton, one of our Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet nine sixty. Uh, I'm Logan Gordon, joined this afternoon by Pat Steinberg. Dumont, so you. Uh... I mean, you take a look at the way this year has gone, and 
there have been nights where, like on Friday night, where defensively they've come to play and, and they've yeah. been outstanding, but they haven't gotten uh, they, they haven't got the slack picked up by their offense. And there's been nights where Mayer's thrown for 450 and they haven't had the defense to to pick up the slack. Are are we talking about a t- an underachieving football team now? We're halfway through the year. Are they an underachieving team in your eyes, or is this just a, a mediocre football team? I think. Um... I don't think they're, they're they were underachieving so far. I think maybe of course expectations were obviously going to be higher this year. Maybe not three and eight, but I felt that this was a team that was going to fight it out for a playoff spot all year. You know, it was going to be around that six. You know, at this point, six wins, fighting out with Saskatchewan. Maybe not on the, the par with Winnipeg and and we we're seeing with BC in the West right now. But they should they should be better. We we should we should expect more because there are. As much as they had to change out last year with the veterans, there's still some some really good players on this team that that need to step out. I think Kadeem Carey was was one that they were really expecting a lot out of this year, and and right out of the gate, it it never went. He got hurt in third quarter of game one, and and uh, you know he's never really caught stride yet. So it's just trying to get the thing in mo in 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 motion here, and it, maybe maybe we are we maybe did put a little bit more expectations in this group because of the lineage because of the history that Calgary's had because it's been what Patty since 2004 this team has been this this below 500 this yeah. late into the season so yeah. it's 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 uncharted territory for a lot of these guys and and they see it they they know they're battling for it like uh, I talked you know with Tradeums Dukes a few weeks back and you can kind of see it around his face he's he's got a big disappointment around uh, around his, his and how he's feeling about this group and they want to do better but uh it's got to start with with this offense the defense has been doing so well maybe you want to see more in the in the takeaway department and, and maybe more in the sack game but you know losing James Vaughters was huge and and uh, I don't know Julian Alcer had a had a had a sack there on Friday and they got a little bit better um uh, there on Friday from the D-line but you know Michael always been um, great Cam Judge has been great Titus Wall has been great nothing to complain about from the defensive side of things they they picked it up big after their game against BC but it's just it's just it does it just feels stale Patty it just feels stale around the group yeah, and I, I, I think you can pick up on that even listening, as you mentioned, you know, the the difference in tone from players to what we heard from Dave Dickinson. Like Dave on Friday night, like he was really disappointed in yeah. what we saw because as he said, they this is this is a team for so long that we've expected them to find ways to win. And for the first time they're they're consistently finding ways to lose close football games. And and I, I just I wonder, I, I worry about the frustration getting the better of them. I worry about the uh, all of these close losses becoming something that, that kind of mounts. Mm-hmm. On, the one, on the one hand, you can say, well, they've been close and there's a lot of good things and all they need is one thing to turn. But on the other hand, you worry about the frustration and you worry about whether or not it, it kind of starts to, to build and, and become something that, that becomes their own worst enemy. But you don't, you don't get that sense from the way the group is, is going about things? Like, you, you kind of say, like, they really have, like, on all facets of the game, they really haven't had a game all this year. Maybe, maybe outside of the Saskatchewan game where... Uh, they had the, the the win at the end, where the outside of the touchdown late by Saskatchewan, they got the the Tevin Jones touchdown, and then Renee wins it on the walk off. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was the only game where really all three phases of the game were clicking. There's been more times than not this year where Dave said the best players in the room have been Dave and Cody Grace, or sorry, <laughs> sorry, been Renee, Renee and Cody yeah, Grace. Yeah, yeah. Just that, that the special teams have been picking up 
more like that the kicking game has been picking up more than you want. And that's not what you want. And, and it is scary. It is getting to a point where you do not want this thing to snowball because, you know, you're going to a tough, uh, I don't want to say tough environment because you don't know what the environment is going to be in Toronto, but it's a tough group. It's a well-coached team, obviously with guys that won here, players that won here that are now doing the same thing in Toronto. And then Labor Day is going to be huge for also the team here. It's going to be even maybe even bigger for the team up north with what all they've gone through. So you really don't want this thing to snowball as we get into the into the part where everybody starts saying, this is when the CFL season picks up. Mm-hmm. Labor Day is when you want. And and right now, Calgary is not clicking at the at the point where you want them to be. Uh, this is this is uncharted territory, and and for Dave, it's uncharted territory because ever since he took over in coaching in 2008, coaching the running backs, it's been uh, it's been success after success with this group. So it's it's uncharted territory for him as he took takes on totally new duties with the GM side and the things. It's 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 getting to the point where you, you want. A big win. And I know they had the big win against Toronto, but you need to put it all together. The defense is doing so well. You want the offense to pick them up, and you want everybody banking in because they are running out of time. Because eight games is not very much. Before you know it, it's going to be October and and who knows what's yeah. happening because who knows if the crossover is going to be in effect this year. Well, and, and I mean, I do think it's important to talk a little bit about Brent Monson's D because they, especially of late, they, they've, they've, like we're talking about. I think you could have four West Division candidate All Stars, maybe, and 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 maybe you know two of two or three of those four you could put right in the league All Star conversation at the midway mark. Cam Judge, uh, mm-hmm. Micah Awe, Mike Rose, and and Titus Wall could all be in the yeah. conversation for West Division All Stars midway through. So you know that that that's what maybe has frustrated me the most, Patty, is that. This, this group has got a lot to like defensively. There's a lot there that you can point to and say, these are real high-end performances we're seeing this year. So I think on a positive note, at the very least, there's still you can still lean on most nights. Mm-hmm. You know that defensive group's going to give you a chance to win. Yeah, definitely. The defense is going to give you chances to win most nights, for sure, with this group. And you want to see them helped out, obviously, by the offense. I trust this defense uh, Patty, like a ton. I know James Vodder's loss was huge, and and we were talking about the, the maybe Mike Rose and and uh, Derek Wigan, the, the the sacks from the interior, sure, but you needed more from the outside. Yeah. But Mike Alway, he's such a leadership. He's such a spark plug on that defense, man. And I I don't know why he hasn't been able to stick around in one CFL market for for more than a year. It's been in a place and then out of place. So. Hopefully this is a guy that can, you know, maybe take over that, you know, like, I guess like it was this, I saw like Alex Singleton, man, he watches this team every week and he's getting frustrated. So like that all way cam judge type thing, that's what they, they're, they're kind of bringing in what Alex Singleton brought. They've got such a good cohesiveness on that defense. Like you, you know, you don't worry about them. Yeah. BC caught him off guard there. Vernon Adams, he's been doing that to everybody this year, but they did such a good job against Winnipeg. They've done, they did that amazing job against Toronto you, you trust that group. Brett Monson, uh, he, all the credit to him. And uh, like we've been saying all conversation, it's, it's the offense that needs to pick up their, their slack here. And, and if, they, if they're not going to click in, this team isn't going to go far. They're not going to win much more than four or five games the rest of the way if this offense isn't clicking. Because it's a tough slate. Down there. They still got that key game against Saskatchewan at the end of the year. They still got Winnipeg coming up at the end of the year. And it starts, they got that little this pocket here with Vegas. They got to beat Hamilton, and they got to beat these two games against Edmonton. Win those three games, and you start feeling a little bit better. And who knows what happens against Friday uh, on Friday against Toronto. Uh, speaking of that matchup Friday, Patty, what do we look for from uh, practice for the Stampeders this week? Anybody 
Uh, integrated, coming back from injury, what are we looking for as the stamps prep for Toronto? Uh, not too sure yet. Uh, we'll have the injury report drop probably in the next hour or so. It looked like everybody was out there. Tommy Lewis looked like it was just a maintenance day, but it well-deserved maintenance day. Is he was probably, uh, I would say, my favorite player on Friday night. I think he had over definitely over 250 yards combined punt return and kick return. Uh, he had the one catch, I believe, for 40 yards as well. So I want to see him more involved in the offense. But uh, outside of Kadeem, it was just uh, really just, you know, it was him and Tommy Lee, but uh, I'm not expecting Clark Barnes back. Obviously, he was placed on the sixth game. He's going to have a knee brace. Uh, Tyson Philpott still uh, walking around there with the uh, with the just walking around. He hasn't practiced much, so that's a little bit of concern there. So we'll see when the injury report comes out. But uh, generally, they came out of that game pretty unscathed. What are we waiting on to hear from uh, Jonathan Moxie, who was a game time decision, but? Couldn't play on yeah. Friday and yeah. wound up having Shaq Richardson come in and actually block a punt. But uh, as far as the DBs go, it's been a bit of an injured group, especially of late. Yeah, sorry, you mentioned Moxie there. Yeah, I guess yeah, he was the game time decision. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he did practice there late last week, so this is a short week. They travel on Thursday, so I figure. Uh, I mean, if he was. If I didn't. I didn't see them out there today. I, I might have missed him. So we'll see again on the injury report. Uh, but we'll see. Obviously, tomorrow's a closed practice. We'll get word from Dave, uh, obviously, after the fact. Uh, and then the injury report will say, oh, but uh, Brad Mahon, or sorry, uh, uh, Trey Robert, or sorry, <laughs> Jonathan Moxie, my bad. Uh, getting Jonathan Moxie back will be big uh, going forward. The secondary, I thought, played, did a really good job. Not, not, the Winnipeg didn't have a total ton of uh, big plays uh, on them, so... Uh, it was a good play from the secondary as, as much as it's been a rotating group there. Shaq Richardson, uh, again, stepped in well. He didn't uh, sign on Thursday, playing on Friday, and, uh, you know, stepped in there with the block punt. So it was a good game from the secondary, I thought, as well. Appreciate it, Patty. Thanks for the time today. As always, we'll look forward yeah. to your stamp supports this week, pal. No problem, buddy. Thank you. Bye, Thank Dumas. you. Patrick Dumas joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, producer of The Big Show with Rustic and Rose. And one of our Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is a massive week for the Stamps, Pat. And it's a tough task heading into uh, Calgary East with so many familiar faces on that Argos team. Well, and, and I mean, a team that there's, there's really no weaknesses on that Argos team right now. Where, where, where do you look at and say they're not dynamic? Uh, fan base. That's about it. Like they don't have a home field advantage. That's honestly about it. They're getting twelve thousand people a night. That's that's, that's really the only weakness they as have. Serious as it could be. Because I mean, they've got they've allowed ten sacks in eight games. So they've got right now the best offensive line in football. They've got one of the three best quarterbacks in the game. They've got a dynamic and deep group of receivers. Good They're running back duo. The the probably the best duo at running back in the CFL uh, with AJ Willette and and Andrew Harris in his last year. Defensively, they lead the league in takeaways. They are extremely difficult. Uh, like their interior is strong. They've got a great group of linebackers. They have got some of the best players uh, in the league in the secondary. Like there's. A, what what Corey Mace and and Ryan Dinwiddie and Pinball Clemens have done on that defensive side of the ball is really impressive, and we make light of all the former Stampeders that are there. But I mean, they've brought in good players, they've targeted good players, so they've got they've got these th- this game against Toronto and then two against Edmonton uh, for the Labor Day game and the Labor Day rematch. And 
you know, if they can pull a second win out against Toronto, that sets them up in a really good spot if they can make sure they take both those games against the Elks. And I know what Dumas is saying. The Elks have probably played a little bit better over the last few weeks than maybe the record suggests. Remember, they had before beating Hamilton, they had a 22-0 lead on Winnipeg and, and were in a decent spot and put together a decent game despite pissing it away. So I don't think the Elks games are as gimme as you'd think they would be especially because the Stampeders have not shown they're that much better than the teams right at the bottom of the league, or in this case, the team at the bottom of the league. So they have they might be two hard-fought games, and, and the Stamps cannot afford to lose two games against a one-win Elks team. They can If they can win those two, if they can take two of their next three, or maybe three of their next three, then all of a sudden that stretch against Montreal, Hamilton, and Saskatchewan, in whatever order it ends up being, all of a sudden that looks a little bit more crucial for them to maybe sneak their way into a playoff spot. Well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I mean, would it stun you that Edmonton picks up a win against Ottawa this week and has two wins heading into early September? Because it wouldn't stun me all that much. I, I mean, look, I, I like Ottawa. I, still I mean, it would only still because Edmonton Edmonton's at home. Problem. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's that's been their biggest Achilles heel of the last five years. But, I mean, I, it's not out of the question. I, I, I thought at times Hamilton was better than Ottawa. And, you know, Edmonton's getting healthy. They're getting some interesting bodies here. I, I really think it's an interesting spot for the Stampeders when they're they're looking at that series coming up against Edmonton because, look, it's far from guaranteed, obviously, given all the chances they've had to win at home lately. But I don't know. I just don't feel like it's that crazy a thought to think that Edmonton uh, beats Ottawa this weekend, and then all of a no, sudden I don't we're looking think so at either. Labor Day as a, a massive, massive game for both of those teams. I think it's going to be regardless because even if the Elks don't win, um, I still think that we're talking about a group that um, is going to be desperate. And and look, even at one win, they're not out. They're only two games back of, or three games back of of a playoff spot right now when you take a look at the crossover. So, you know, crazier things have happened. Far crazier things have happened. Elks string together a run of wins in three of five or three of four. They're right back into this playoff conversation in the last quarter of the season. Uh, Aside from Stamps Argos this week, anything of interest to you when it comes to Montreal, Winnipeg, Hamilton, BC, Ottawa, Edmonton? I think Montreal, Winnipeg's a good game. Uh, Zach Caleros is back. I don't know. I haven't seen the injury report. I don't know what we're talking about when it comes to Cody Fajardo, but Montreal puts together a nice comeback win over Ottawa over the weekend on, on Saturday night. They're able to put together a great fourth quarter to come back and win by one. Montreal's got, got a little something going on right now, and, and they have kind of established themselves as there's, there's the top tier, and then Montreal might be the only team in that next tier with Saskatchewan sometimes. Uh, but Montreal's established themselves as a pretty decent football team, but they've got to go on the road to Winnipeg. Uh, Montreal's given the Bombers a lot of trouble over the last couple of years. Remember, it was Montreal that stopped Winnipeg from getting to 10-0 and last season and handed them their first loss in Winnipeg. So uh, I'm uh, I, that, that's the game that I think is the most interesting outside of Calgary and Toronto because Montreal's no slouch at 6-3. and Winnipeg is, is clearly... Uh, one of the three best teams in the league, but Montreal has has shown they they've hung with Toronto in games. Uh, I, I'm actually quite interested in that game. Should be good. Week 12 kicks off Thursday in Winnipeg. It's the Blue Bombers and the Montreal Alouette. Thank you to Peter Klein and Patrick Dumas for joining us this hour. Thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. My big shout out to my producers 
Cam and Taylor for the outstanding work this afternoon. We are back tomorrow, same time, same place, here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.